What number is this, Chip? Zilch 181. 7A in the house, Glenn Gretlin and Mark Kleiner, and we're talking all things 7A. Okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys and 7A. Gentlemen, welcome back to 7A. Or, Hi, Ken. How sorry. <laughs> welcome back to Zilch. <laughs> Hi, Ken. <laughs> Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well. It is a busy, hectic time of year, and you know that more than anybody. You are putting out these releases so fast. You know, back in the spring, we said this is the summer of 7A, and to quote a Michael Nesmith album, and the hits just keep on coming, right? So, or paraphrase, to to be eloquent, but I've never been accused of that. We have some really cool stuff going on, and there's not one, not two, but a third thing that we're going to be talking about on this episode, and maybe even more. But the first thing we're going to talk about is Demo I Sell. It is out now, and this is one of those albums that it's almost like people don't understand that Demo I Sell actually was a pun by Mickey, meaning these are demos I am selling. And he put this album out, and we're going to talk a little bit about the history of this album and the history of how it became to be part of the project of 7A. And we have Mark Kleiner here who's going to fill us in on all of the fortune cookie uh, historical details. So where do we start? I, I live in a country where the second language is French, so I don't want to sound too uh, effete here, but demo I sell is, is true. That is the, the, the pun reference, but the actual French pronunciation, demoiselle. Yes, but it's weird because I've had people argue with me that, no, 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 no. Mickey is being cultural, and I'm like, think about Mickey for a second. He's got a sense of humor, so... Exactly, exactly. It's, I guess it's like monkeys present, present, refocus or reficus. That just messes with your head. Exactly. So how did this become part of the 7A stable? Why did why was this worthy of re-release? What all have you done with it? This is the only time where Mickey has actually reached out directly to, to us to say, I've got some songs here. Would you be interested in releasing them? Usually it's the other way around. We would come to him and say, would you be interested in recording something or could we license these songs from you but this time he came and said look i've got these songs and of course i i knew most of the songs because of the um the album that he released um on his own you know self-released in the early 90s but there were only nine tracks and this time around he had three extra bonus tracks that had never been released before so that was great that we've been able to include those it's an album I always wanted to give a proper proper release because I thought it was um, it shows Mickey as a songwriter. And um, I think he's written or co-written nearly half of the album. And he, he never really gives himself a lot of credit 
um, as a songwriter, but I think it clearly shows uh, if you listen to these songs what, what, what an amazing songwriter he is. And I just wanted to make sure that that album came out and was available for everybody to hear. And it's been remastered, and it is—it uh, sounds better than ever, honestly. Yes, I mean we we were able to get the, ori- the original masters and um, uh, did our very best to to clean them up, and uh, thankfully they were in fairly good state, so it wasn't um, it wasn't that difficult. But yeah, I mean they sound better than ever, and the vinyl edition as well. If you get a chance to listen to that, it's just got this warm sound to it, which is really really nice. And as with all 7A releases, you've given it uh, its own spin on the cover so that, you know, collectors can't complain, hey, this looks too much like the old one. It's You're actually getting new artwork, new liner notes, new everything with this. And uh, there are the three tracks, and those three tracks are? Well, the, the three bonus tracks. Yes, there's. I know that My Heart is Failing Me is new, right? Yes, it, My Heart is Failing Me, and Put a Hold on Your Heart. And Torch for Hire are the free bonus tracks. And Torch for Hire's got a funky sound to it. it it's 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 funky Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have to I have to say just before I you know, Mark Kleiner has done some absolutely amazing work on the liner notes for this album. And he's interviewed Mickey, he's interviewed several of the people that um have co written or written the songs. Um and Torch for Hire is one of those where I think uh, Mark you're in touch with uh, one of the songwriters. Yeah, I got in touch with, uh, well, Danny O'Keefe initially, and then Bill Baron, who's the co-writer on it. Um, but I looked up Danny O'Keefe, who, who wasn't aware that Mickey had actually recorded um, this song. I guess it only existed somewhere out there in demo form. And Mickey had a couple of publishing um, houses that were kind of shooting, shooting him material, shooting him demos. But the actual songwriters weren't aware. Now, Danny O'Keefe is best known for as the writer of uh, and, and performer of Good Time, Charlie's Got the Blues. And that was later covered by Leon Russell. I think Leon even did it on David Letterman back in the day. I'm a big Leon fan. And, of course, numerous monkeys connections with Mr. Russell. Um, so I got I reached out to Mr. O'Keefe and um, he was thrilled. And when he heard the recording, he said it was very true to the demo that they had recorded i haven't heard this the, the songwriter demo but uh he said mickey was uh and i guess that would be jerry corbetta too because jerry was really involved um producing the these these recordings with mickey um so they basically adopted a lot of the you know the sonic palette of the original demo and uh great vocal and as uh as daniel keeps says it's the la noir kind of uh effect they're going for and also that the lyric from this song was singled out by um the uh project coordinator who who also wrote some liner notes for this uh this issue this version of demoiselle so um, yes yeah, uh, Stuart goldfarb uh Stuart was a big help in, in putting all of this together and um and it was really Stuart and mickey that wanted to to release this album or get it released again uh, to honor their, their friend Jerry Corbetta from Sugarloaf, who um, who uh, who produced most of the songs here with Mickey. Wow, fantastic! Now, uh, when you were writing the liner notes, what was so important that you really wanted to stress? Uh, what was the story of demo demo I sell? Well, you know, it was this is a really interesting and underreport again an underreported period, and I think it's a little bit more recent than say the mid 70s and the recent DJBH stuff and 
telling that story. I mean, but but now it's I mean, I'm saying it's recent, but it's 30 years. Right. <laughs> and, you know, that's not recent at all. But I mean, it still feels recent to me because I guess I was on the ground at the time. Right. And, um, you know, this was a, a kind of a, a, a time of uh, Mickey was coming out of the, the monkeys reunion. You know, the, the 80s reunion that had blown up so huge and then had really kind of imploded. And his, uh, you know, his he, he was quite open about, I mean, we, we you know, this is a time of divorce and, and, you know, really personal difficulties that he really poured into his music. But he was also, he was doing a myriad of things. And he, he, he says about this period, he wasn't like going hard after a record deal. That was kind of a sidebar, something he was doing more for love. And also kept him busy, like being on the road through a very difficult period. And a lot of his main focus career wise was on getting some some work as a director, you know, um, film, television director, as he'd done in Britain. And that was a really a difficult transition. So going from L.A. to Britain and establishing himself in a new career, he, he'd been able to do that quite quickly in the late 70s. I'm sure it had its challenges, too. But uh, trying to then bring his portfolio to L.A. where there's, you know, I mean, I guess he was sort of, again, that that typecasting as a monkey wasn't working in his favor again in the early as it hadn't in the early 70s. Um, so he found himself, I think, you know, doing doing some of these these tours and stuff. Uh, and but but he says he describes the music piece as being really a labor of love. And so. It was important to tell the story of these songs. And as has been said, as Glenn was saying, this is a, um, I mean, I, you know, on on whole, it's a, the majority of the tracks are written by Mickey. And uh, which is really interesting because, you know, we're used to him having a song or two on albums and as a writer, if that. So you really get a sense of Mickey as a song songwriter. And he doesn't self-identify as that being one of his primary folk foci but uh he's he's a very good writer and uh these songs of course we know three of them from just us but i also got to say that the three bonus tracks the uh outside writers are really an excellent addition i mean he really um gives wonderful vocal performances and and they're they're really uh interesting songs there's a great synergy going on i'd say with the vocals the songwriting and the production yeah i i think i mean personally i think that um this period of in mickey's career is probably where um his vocals were at their peak i just think he, you know, he, for instance my heart is failing me when i heard that song i just thought wow you know the uh, that's some of the best singing i've heard from him um and um I mean, this particular period in, in the early to mid 90s, his vocals were particularly strong, I think. I would agree. And one only has to look at the songwriting credits for Justice. And he seems like the most uh, prolific writer in the band at that point, <laughs> you know. And again, it follows through on this album as well. It really was a strong period for him. And it's interesting that you say that he doesn't really identify himself as a writer. And I wonder if part of that is because. You know, not to get into the shtick, but with all the people that they've had writing for them, I mean, we're talking about world class writers. Then you got people like Nesmith himself. Right. So you can see why Mickey almost wants to step back a little bit. Uh, maybe it's uh, lowered expectations or something. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to write a check that he can't deliver, but but he definitely does deliver. 
he said several times that it, it doesn't come natural to him songwriting that he has to work quite hard on it uh, but i i think if you if you listen to the the songs here absolutely fantastic and even if you go back like to older recordings that he wrote like uh, something like alicia who was the b-side to love light that's a great song that that he wrote for that so um he's definitely got that ability absolutely i agree 100 percent uh, I would like to hear and see more from him along these lines, but uh, time will tell, and uh, who knows. But uh, I know that people are enjoying this release, and uh, we've been playing it on the radio, and uh, it's 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 been doing gangbusters as far as discussion on the interwebs and all that, on the social medias and on Facebook. From a sales standpoint, how is it going? It's going well. I mean, the... Uh, the Deep Discount, which is the uh, one of the places you can get it from, uh, sold out of the first batch of CDs fairly quickly. Uh, there's now a second batch arriving. Uh, I wish they would order more to start with, but that's not down to us. We can't force them to buy any more than than they want to. <laughs> right. So unfortunately, there's been this delay between the first and second shipment because that you know it's coming from the UK. But um, Mickey has still got stock. You can buy it straight from Mickey, and you can get signed copies from MickeyDolans.com. Uh, and um, deep discount will have more stock soon. But I guess that's a sign of, um, you know, I guess that's a positive thing, you know, selling out. So don't worry, the second wave of the Mickey UK Invasion of 7A is on its way. So if you've ordered, it is on its way. You can order it now. Uh, recently, Mickey Dolans was in England. And uh, I know that you and uh, Ian Lee and got to sit down with Mickey and his wife. Yeah, it was just uh, myself and Ian Lee and uh, Mickey and his wife Donna and um, his colleague uh, Jane. We all met up in a nice Italian restaurant in London. Um, and um, he was here to, to do a Comic Con. Yes. It was just a, a great opportunity to catch up and, um, and try and discuss possible future projects. Now, I want to talk to the young you right now. I want to go back in time to the to the guy who was watching the monkeys on TV. Uh, let's take a look at your life right now and take you to that restaurant and take you to what you're doing with the monkeys. I know. I Yeah, it, it, it seems crazy. If you had told an 11-year-old me that I'd be doing that, I, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just really happy to be able to do it and to release this great music, which I think it deserves. I mean, we, we've we got Dolan's Jones' Boys in Heart, which is long, long overdue. And I wonder if we hadn't released this, whether anybody ever would. I honestly don't think that, that, that it would have. I honestly think that had it not been for 7A, this stuff would just have never ported over to digital. This stuff never would have become... Uh, vinyl, you know, I, I do not know of anyone else who would pick this up. Uh, I, I feel, and I'm, this is me saying this, this is Ken Mills saying this. I don't think that there's interest on the Warner Rhino side if it doesn't have the monkeys logo on it. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that sadly there are just some people that see things like that, but because 7A is by the fans for the fans, and that's nothing against anybody else or anything, but it, it really does make it possible that certain avenues that may not have been explored are, are able to be gone after. Yes, and um, 
it just it just feels like I mean obviously as a fan myself I, these are the albums that I want to buy myself and they were not available so I want to make them available and that's kind of the that's kind of the thought behind it and that's how 7A started we wanted to buy Mickey's MGM singles but they weren't available um so let's make them available but obviously that was a massive task but we managed we managed to do it managed to work out and uh it is still working out and so we want to encourage people to get demo i sell uh is there anything that you feel that we should address before we move on to the next topic well i don't know mark if you have you got anything else to say about demo i mean you spoke to mickey about it and yeah, uh, it, <clears throat> well, it, it's, a, it, it's a very little little known uh, sort of um not many people know mo a lot about mickey from this particular period well, no, and I, I mean, it was really interesting him him talking about writing, doing some of the, the drum tracks and doing some writing on the tour bus, you know, like going to his bunk and working on, you know, drum tracks and that. And I, I did include a lot of that in the liner notes. I'm really grateful. Um, had a, several people help, including Robert Zapata, who's the drummer for Cannibal and the Headhunters. He joined the group in 1969. So that was a few years after the initial cannibal wave but he's been like the, i think the longest serving and suffering cannibal uh, or headhunter on record and he he was just wonderful he shared stories of mickey kind of uh you know bonding with the band you know on the tour and then uh you know traveling on this bus all together and uh it, it, it's super cool so there's a couple items from robert's archives that are included uh, at least in the CD, and I think there may be one in the vinyl as well, but for sure in the CD. And uh, so I do, I do want to give him a shout out because he was a, a real help. And it was just really cool that this was, you know, the first e extended solo Mickey Dolan's, you know, North American tour was was that Thirty Years of Rock and Roll, and that's his connection with Jerry Corbetta. And that's what leads to um, Stuart Goldfarb. I mean, the, that working together that that brought that made these recordings happen. So there's a lot there. Um, I tried to to share as much as as possible in the liner notes about little little stories and anecdotes. Um, I think even by my uh, standards, I I get too tangential if I tried to bring more in right at the moment because I'm thinking more than some of the other, you know, polo pony stuff and all that. But uh, you know. It was a, it was a really really Mickey had a lot going on a lot of different worlds and the music was top drawer so I do encourage people to pick this up and enjoy it and get requesting that uh, those singles as they come out on your uh, on your local radio station. Yes, I'm just so pleased, Mark, that you managed to get to talk to Mickey about these recordings and to to put it all in the liner notes because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Uh, and I'm sure most other people wouldn't know about this period of his career. And it's, it's something that he hasn't spoken about very often. So it, it's certainly great to um, finally be able to, to sort of uh, more or less close that chapter and, you know, be able to um, to know the full story about these recordings. So, folks, get this expanded reissue of Demo I Sell. Uh, you can get it on vinyl. And it's red vinyl currently, right? You can get that in red vinyl, right? That's right. It's a gatefold sleeve uh, on red vinyl. And the CD comes with a 32-page booklet with extensive liner notes and previously unseen pictures. And uh, I noticed that you said in the press release for it, I had to giggle just a little bit as an absurd, weird monkeys fan. It said, uh, this 
DemoSL has been more than two years in the making. We wanted to ensure that we could do the album justice. Now, but you didn't say justice, but in my head, that's what was there. So It is true. And, and if we had released it two years ago, we wouldn't have had, probably wouldn't have had Mark's uh, excellent liner notes. Uh, that's, that's the thing. It, it's taken a long time for Mark as, uh, as well just to be able to pin Mickey down and, and get the interview and get to interview everybody else. And um, so actually the longer that has passed has actually made it that much better. Right. It's definitely been worth the wait, and it is great to have it in our collections, in our hands, and in our ears. So, fantastic. Now, up next, we're going to talk about a Manchester boy, his mom's pride and joy. That's right. Davy Jones, the one, the only. Let's talk about 7A's new release upcoming, I think, in October, what can you tell us, Glenn, about Manchester Boy Personal File from 7A? It's a collection of songs that focuses on, on David's, uh, David Jones' private recordings that were made between the 1960s and the 1980s. Um, and um, the majority of the tracks are written by himself or co-written by himself. And um, again, it's an area that it's a very little known area. It's an area where that hasn't really been explored until this point. And um, he's he's not uh, Davey's not given a lot of credit as a songwriter either, and that's one of the things we want to address with this release. So there are some similarities between Demoiselle and Manchester Boy in that respect. This, all of these songs were a mixture of demos and sort of personal recordings that that he made between the 60s and the 80s, and they went unreleased until the mid 90s when Davey released the. Um, just for the record, four CDs set on his own label, but that was only available via mail order, and that particular CD set is very rare today, very difficult to get anywhere. So what we've done is we've we've selected what we thought were the best and certainly most most sort of personal recordings from that set, and really spend a lot of time and effort on remastering them to make them sound as good as we can, because some of the recordings on the original set weren't in the best shape. So we spent quite a long time on that. I can promise people this is this is the best they'll ever sound. Yeah, I I just want to go on record or I, for the record say that there's a there's some fans out there that say, "Well, I've already got that, be it an MP3 or an old whatever you have, right?" But you have went in and cleaned up this stuff and made it sound better than it was possible to really make it sound back when it came out. And when this was originally done, it was kind of like Davy clearing out, you know, that uh, like everyone in their kitchen has that drawer that you don't know what it doesn't start out as that drawer. But the batteries get put into it, paper clips, screwdrivers, anything winds up in that drawer, right? This was all the stuff Davey had accumulated in that drawer over the years. And he just put it out uh, for the record one through four. Yes. But what I wanted to try and achieve and, and try and, 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 um, and do with this release, it, it, the title is Manchester Boy Personal File. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is to show people um, what David could do as a songwriter and as an artist and a musician, because quite a few of these songs features just him and his guitar. So it's sort of very, you know, very relaxed, laid back, personal recordings. And they show a different side to David that many people haven't um, haven't discovered before. And, you know, as we discussed about Mickey, who really didn't identify with himself, you know, feeling comfortable calling himself a songwriter. 
Davey always kind of like said, hey, I wrote on that album too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Be it back in the 60s up up on through. And he, uh, you know, there's, there's video of him just playing the guitar and uh, people coming up or handing him a guitar at a convention and he'd play a song for them. And it's really weird because we don't think about Davey as being uh, that intense of an instrumentalist. Of course, he is rock and roll's premier number one tambourine player, but he could basically do anything. And Peter Tork has said that Davey was one of the most musical people he's ever met because Davey would just be able to, he was kind of like an all-purpose softball team yeah. player. But also as a songwriter, and I think often he's not given that credit. Uh, you know, you, you listen even to some of the old Monkey songs where he, uh, on, on the Missing Link series, with where he was writing with Steve Pitts, or he was, uh, if I knew, I think he co-wrote that with Bill Chadwick, didn't he? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there's he's, he's either written or co-written a lot of good songs, and, and a lot of people don't realize this. And I don't know if I can bring Mark in just to uh, pick your brains, really, because, again, well, it's yeah. a very little known sort of time in, in Davis career. I, I think some of these songs were, they would have been demos that he would have made for bell records. Some of the songs and other songs would have been songs that he had just recorded personally. But, um, do you know yeah, anything it, about the, the period with bell, bell records, uh, you know, and, and after bell rock records? Because yeah. I, there was, well, I do. Sorry, Glenn. I, I the I never spoke with Jackie Mills, but I did speak with a couple people at Bell who like worked in the office and who were around because, like, I think that the Davy like the failed basically the failed Bell album, so the the one with Rainy Jane on it. I mean, Rainy Jane was a you know a, a modest hit, but the you know the rest of the album had really you know just never taken off, and the the uh, follow up singles hadn't and. I always felt that that album, like there was, there was a handful of really great performances on there, like Road to Love and yeah. I Really Love You. And, and then Girl, which isn't on that album, but it's of that period, is probably, and I, Linda Jones agreed, we talked about this, she said that was her favorite Davy Jones you know, solo performance. I mean, it's just so quintessential, even without the Brady Bunch. I mean, the old, the 45 version of Girl, which uh, I've lost over the years, or maybe I don't know what happened to it, but it was, it was incredible. And uh, just quintessential Davy Jones. And I think that there was definitely some bad stuff that went down with Clive Davis and with the failure of that record. And probably, as Davy said in some of his own stuff about refusing to go on the road with Tony Orlando and Don, what seems to have happened is as Rainy Jane's going up the charts at some point, the backing just gets pulled and it drops like a stone. I mean, that's all I can figure historically what seems to have happened there. But from what the talking with the people at Bell, it wasn't like this was some snow job. I mean, they were putting a lot of time and care into that record and it's really well recorded and it's got all the, the great late sixties, early seventies, like LA studio pros in there. I mean, road to love absolutely cooks, but at the same time, the great unlived part is Davy Jones in, in more of the reflective gritty singer songwriter, early seventies mode. Yes, and that, yes. that that's what this set shows. So, you know, it's, it's always like with, with monkeys things. I mean, the monkeys like strike a lot of different things and we're always wondering about the, unlived chapters the things that didn't happen what if just us included more outside writers and not you know these kind of conversations i mean i was pushing right uh i was hoping mickey and michael before michael passed away would do like a last gritty blues album and i was pitching this to christian and you know and it would would, would do proud proud man you know would 
would would work on that. That's on this yeah. collection. One, one of my favorite Davy Jones things. I could always hear, you know, them embellishing that musically. I, I think oh, that's a real great. tour de force. Anyway, that's all behind us now. But I think that's part of the fun and frustration, right? Is because we see that the like a performer like Davy Jones could do many things. And one of the appeals of, of the early 70s demos, and I don't know how much Chip Douglas was involved with these particular ones, but he was certainly on the scene. Um, is that there is kind of a, a confessional type. We know this was a very you know challenging period for Dave. I mean, he'd gone from the the highs of you know I think there's the quote in Lefkowitz's book is you know but of course I'm the, I, I'm the king you know and and then you know the the opportunities temporarily dried up. So you hear some of that angst in those demos, and it's it's powerful stuff. So. Well, I, I should add that for this particular uh, compilation, um, Joe Elterio wrote the liner notes, and he, he kind of mentioned some of the stuff you're just talking about, where Davey has just come from doing Changes, the Monkey's last album, Changes at that point, and then he goes to, to Bell Records, and he's trying to show kind of a more mature side of himself. And as far as I can tell, he su submitted a, a couple of demos, like Man, We Was Lonely and King Lonely the Blue, as possible tracks to to Bell, and they they rejected them, and I think that upset him quite a bit. So I don't think he necessarily agreed with the songs that were on the Bell album, and that could have been part of the dispute. But I'm great to be able to include them in this collection. Uh, sure. And he was able is. to get a Doug Trevor song on there, so we must say that there was some. So who knows all which ones? But I think we can say that Sitting in the Apple Tree would have come through Davy, just like Sail on Sailor came through Davy for the DJBH album. So mm -hmm. that's a bit of perspective on that. But yeah, I mean, these are, and then we then we get like the uh, late 70s period, uh, you know, demos as well, which are super cool. I think they're a real high point on the original uh, yeah. just for the record set. And then, the, of course, this is remastered to sound really, really amazing. Now let's go through the track listing. Is that okay? You got I, it there? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. So so let's take a look at this. Uh, I do want to say that the vinyl comes with a gatefold sleeve, and it's pressed on 180-gram black and white splatter vinyl. you got to see it to believe it. It's going to be available on CD with a 28-page color booklet with the extensive liner notes, and here is the track listing. We've got Davey kicking it off with Manchester Boy. That's a fun track, and it really is kind of like his story. And then uh, track two, which is one of the singles that's going to be coming out on September 16th, it's King Lonely the Blue. Now, for anyone who's never heard this song, if you ever wanted to hear Davey backed by the doors, this is that song. Because it's almost like the uh, music and uh, the instrumentation of Love Me Two Times. If you haven't heard it before, I'm going to play some of it right now. Listen for it. Now in my kingdom, had diamonds and such. Without you, my
you listen, you can hear some of that vibe and instrumentation. And it's 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 a it's a blast to think of Davy Jones singing for the doors at some point. That just blows me away. So <laughs> and it's weird because there's that picture of Davy where he posed like Jim Morrison. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. With the black and white, and it, it, it um, this is this should be the uh, single art for that, but who knows? Anyway, uh, you've got it all figured out. And then we've got track three, "Man, We Was Lonely," which is so fantastic. There's always this thing within the monkeys fandom that there are certain people that don't like anything about the Beatles brought into the monkeys world. But you know who brings the Beatles into the monkeys world all the time? The monkeys. And here is Davy Jones covering Paul McCartney. Man, we was lonely Yes, we was lonely And we was hard-pressed to find a smile Man, we was lonely Yes, we was lonely can almost see uh davy busking this you know what i mean it's just so wonderful then we've got a mellow song if i knew very pensive very thought-provoking then we've got nina simone's uh feeling good dragonfly then uh blossom then i saw an angel die was it a dream and i'm trying to remember who covered that or where, where he's covering that from that was Bobby Gentry, the country singer. Yes, Bobby Gentry. I knew it. I knew it. Then we got James Taylor, Fire and Rain. You know, if, if he was trying to do the singer-songwriter thing, this is the best attempt to do it. And some of these songs, if you heard them on, just for the record, sound like he's a set of tape player down and hit record. Yep. And somebody might have been walking through the room, you know, and then sometimes that's part of the charm, which we'll get to in a song coming up. But Fire and Rain is just, it's amazing to think of that Davy Jones that we never really got to see, you know what I'm saying? Just him playing that guitar, doing that thing. And that, that's, exact, that's exactly what I'm trying to show with this album, because a lot of people don't know about that side of him. The evidence will demand a verdict, sir. Uh, <laughs> Bluebird in My Garden is such a wonderful song, and you actually hear him singing about his kids as they come in and out of the room. You will hear it, you will hear it and it is wonderful. It's one of my favorite songs. It's such a great moment. It is one of my favorite Davy moments, period, on on any record, any any recording. Uh, track 10, Please Believe Me. Track 11, Proud, Proud Man. It's weird because Davy, we were talking about the Bell sound recordings, right? It's almost like they didn't want Davy to grow up. Do you know what I'm saying? They wanted Davy to be stuck as, as young Davy. But Proud, Proud Man is Davy... I mean, almost hitting a Sinatra-like tone, where yeah. it's a man who's introspective looking back at his life and what his pride has cost him. And he does a great job on it, and it's co-written by himself. We see that again in the next track, Can't Believe You've Given Up On Me. 
again, a man who is going through not the up happy time of, hey, let's go to the beach and hold hands and walk along the sand. This is a guy who's done some living. And we've all been there at some point, some way, somehow. We've had our hearts broken. And this is a more mature Davy Jones. And then we've got I'm Coming Home, which is almost like I'm saying, hey, Mom, from Manchester, boy, I'm coming home. A do whack a do whack a do whack a do right? Uh, <laughs> having some fun. Uh, track 14, Leaving It Up To You. And 15, one that just blows me away every time I hear it, Goodbye Old Friends. Wow, what a song, what a lineup. You picked some of the cream of the crop here. I was just trying to show that particular side of his uh, songwriting, and, and, and I think his, his vocals are in absolute top form on all the songs. And um, I'm really pleased that his estate uh, wanted to work with us on this because they could see, I think they could see the idea behind it. And, uh, and and wanted to get that out to people as well. And these recordings haven't been available since the mid-90s when they're on that very rare box set. And they really deserve to be out there. So who designed the cover? Well, it's a picture. It's a Henry Diltz picture. Mm -hmm. It's got the Union Jack behind him. And, and our designer, Tim Johnson, designed all of the rest of the artwork. Tim has done most of our covers. I think he yes. does a, an amazing job. He does for sure. And uh, I like how that red swatch is going down the side and almost looks like an OB strip, but it's not. <laughs> it's part of the artwork. And uh, it's it's a really nice package from what I can tell. And that is going to be released on October 14th and uh, available on CD and 180-gram splatter vinyl. And that is coming out on October 14th. But the digital singles are coming out on September 16th. So there we go. Fantastic. From 7A, part of the summer of 7A, we're going into the fall of 7A. It's gone far too quickly, hasn't it? Yes, it's, <laughs> this is this is the year. It's weird. After COVID, it seems like everything sped up. And here we are. So, But, you know, I know that we could stop right there and just tell people to place their orders, to place their pre-orders, get demo I sell, get Dolan's Jones, Boyce and Hart, get everything that's available from 7A because we support 7A here. And it's it's not just because we like the music, but we want it to continue. This is something, you know, that is for the fans. I always have to tug on your sleeves just a little bit and say, Psst, Glenn, what can you tell the listeners? Something else. So here we go. <laughs> you put me on the spot again. Yes. I, um, it is very much the case still, and I, I know I keep repeating this, that one release pays for the next. So we are we very sort of relying on, on fans to, to help uh, you know buy these albums and support us because they will you know, create the possibility of more Monkeys-related stuff. Um, we have got a Peter Talk release lined up, and all I can tell you at the moment is it's going to be out in November. And it's going to be an, a four-track EP. It's going to be available on CD and vinyl. And the other thing I can tell you is that one of the four tracks will be Vagabond John, which I think you've got to snip it off if you want to play it. A snippet? I'm going to press play right now. Oh, Jesus. 
And that was a bit of Vagabond John from the one, the only, Peter Tork. Well, Glenn, I'm going to read from the press release, if that's okay, about this. You got I, it there? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 7A Records are proud to present This Stuff Never Gets Old, a brand new limited edition EP featuring four previously unreleased Peter Tork recordings. The EP will be released on CD and on pale blue vinyl on November 17th. The CD is limited to 500 copies and the vinyl is limited to 800. You can uh, pre-order those right now from the usual places. Someone said on Facebook, I'd like to hear what this sounds like before I order it. With only 500 copies or 800 copies of uh, the CD and the vinyl, respectively, you better snap this up while you can. Yeah, yeah. It also says this, this stuff never gets old, was originally submitted for inclusion on the Monkees' 2016 Good Times album, but producer Adam Schlesinger chose not to include it on the album. Sea Change, Vagabond John, and Miracle are all soundboard recordings made at the Speakeasy in New York in 1988. It is believed that Torque was once working on releasing a full album from the Speakeasy concert, but these are the only tracks that have been found so far. All recordings have been remastered, and these are really great recordings, and 7A is delighted to be able to release them and make them available for all the fans to enjoy. And you can go over to www dot seven a records dot com and sign up to get more information and stuff like that and of course the track listing is this stuff never gets old sea change vagabond john and miracle and we look forward to that from seven a and you glenn <laughs> uh, <laughs> we look forward to this very much this is a label that's it's like you dream it. You know what I feel? I, got, I just got to share brief, briefly. Like I used to have a lot of dreams where I'd go and I'd find some like in Manhattan, some weird record store, CD store upstairs. And I'd find all these monkey bootlegs. Like this was pre-internet, right? And there'd be like yeah. racks of these titles and like obscure things, you know, live in Cape Cod, the Mickey Dolans and Davy Jones show with the laughing dogs. You know, there'd be like a three CD set. Well, basically, I mean, not that specific release, but 7A albums are like these, they are dream come true releases. They are the yes. type of releases that I would dream of. And it's kind of like, it makes walking through life in 2022 even more surreal, but in a very good way. So um, like hats off, this is, I mean, very Sammy Davis Jr. But I mean that sincerely that this, this, when I, as I reflect back, you know, um, they're bringing to light, 7A brings to light stuff that, uh, really was for a lot of us and like second generation fan like me solely the stuff of really the stuff of dreams so hey making us all daydream believers thank you <laughs> once again well thank, thank you i mean you even think about just the magic that was the mgm singles collection that was stuff that just you couldn't find you couldn't get a hold of it and it was all under one thing it was like how it what sort of witchcraft is this? You know, <laughs> but it is the magic of seven A. Well, so. you need a, obviously some people say you create your own luck, but you do need a bit of luck. All I can tell you is that the guy who, <laughs> not because of us, but the guy who licensed us that Universal those MGM singles got got later got sacked, <laughs> and it wasn't because of our deal; it was because of something else. Uh, and um, but you need you need a bit of luck. And, um, you know, you, you have to, you know, have the right people and you need to be able to obviously you need to have the passion and you need to um, uh, really um, be able to um, 
knock on doors and don't give up basically but um yeah it's um obviously the other the other part of the luck is that people and i hope they kind of keep keep supporting us because that's what keeps them keeps us going and um sometimes you have to put a finger in the air and say is this what the fans want do they want uh, you know would they like another mickey dolan's album or but then again we have a fairly good gut feeling because we're big fans ourselves Right. You know, so we basically stick to what we would buy ourselves. But you think about it just from a fan perspective. To think that there's a label putting out in 2022 music by Peter Tork, Mickey Dolenz, Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith, all the same label. That's this is like unheard of when you think about it. that's never really happened until 7a i'm not talking about the stuff that they did under the banner of the logo i'm talking about whoever thought that these guys would be label mates in 2022 yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it all works out well this is exciting three releases you should be checking out is there anything else you want to hint at or just we're I, just gonna I, let slide the chair I, away from the table. Well, all, all I can tell you is that we are working on a Boys and Heart album, uh, which um, I don't have a release date. And then there's 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 a Michael Nesmith album as well, which um, I hope is going to come out uh, as a reissue next year. But I, I can't really say a lot more than that because um, the the uh, the deal hasn't been signed. So um, you know, sometimes the wheels turn very slowly with the majors. And we're we're certainly not at the the top of their priority pile, so we have to sort of really keep uh, knocking on their door to get anything out of them. But um, things do happen, but they happen very slowly. So I I will tell you more as soon as I know. Fantastic. I can tell you that we actually re we're releasing a non monkeys related album by a group called the Lemon Sherbets, uh, who are a UK band, um, very Beatles influenced. Um, and I think people that like the monkeys and the Beatles will will absolutely love the album when it comes out. Well, I'll have um, to check that out. And I'm having, and I think I can reveal this without saying too much, I'm having lunch tomorrow with a big British artist. And you might recall that David Jones sang the song Toast. Well, hmm. I'm, meeting, I'm meeting the guy that sang that song originally. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll, leave that, I'll leave that there. Well, well, well. <laughs> We'll just let that hang in the midair there. Uh, well, gentlemen, I would like to thank you both for uh, joining us here at the big table here at Zilch, where we slap the microphones on and uh, the headphones and talk about all things cool in the monkeys verse. It is always good to have you here. And again, thank you for coming and being part of this, both of you. And, uh, you know, you've really assembled a great team of people to to make this happen and it is wonderful well th thank you ken and i i, I, I we couldn't have done this without uh, mark kleiner and joe alterio and everybody else henry dills and gary strobel and everybody else who's helped us in all of these releases and including yourself and and the silts team you know I, I thank you so much for your support always always this is one of the reasons we're here i mean it's fine to document the past but it's also great to look forward to the future that is yet to come. So not a Christmas Carol joke there about the three <laughs> ghosts or anything. I, I, you know, each one would be played by a different one, right? Like 
Which one would be the ghost of Christmas? Davy could be the kid that runs up and gets, Sir, there's something, you know, he he sends them out to get the, the turkey or something like that. I'm surprised they never did an episode where they did The Wizard of Oz. Think mm-hmm. of, like, fairy tale, but extrapolate that. Probably a rights issue. <laughs> yeah, but I could just see Mickey as the cowardly lion. <laughs> you know how he gets. And uh, Peter could be the Tin Woodman. Or maybe Mike. Or maybe Peter could be the Scarecrow. Mm. And David yeah. would be Dorothy. Since we kind of saw him cosplaying that in the TV show. so Yeah, totally Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Totally Dorothy. All right. Well, we're going to hop on out of here. We'll be back soon on Zilch with even more coolness from the monkeys universe and catch me on monkey mania radio and you will hear music from the fine folks at 7a there as well thank you mark kleiner thank you glenn gretlin we'll see you all on the next episode of zilch say see you guys one two three see you see you guys there you go <laughs> bye bye and that's our show Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fancy made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.